You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 44, The Enneagram 5 Youth Worker. We are currently in our 11-episode series called the Youth Worker Enneagram Project. So let's head into today's episode with the featured Enneagram coach and co-host, as well as the Youth Worker guest. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Our Enneagram coach and co-host for this episode is Danielle Allen. So Danielle, thank you for hopping back on here with me. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Our special guest for today's episode is Dr. Andrew Root from Luther Seminary. Uh, And so, Andy, could you give everyone listening an intro to who you are and tell us your Enneagram numbers? Yeah, probably my intro will reveal my Enneagram number. We can see if if it can be picked, because uh, I, I, I feel uncomfortable giving an intro of myself. I'd rather someone introduce me. So, uh, yeah, so I live in, in uh, the Twin Cities, where it's uh, snowy and cold today, and I uh, teach uh, theology and ministry and youth ministry classes at Luther Seminary, and uh, been doing that for a while, and write books and stuff like that. That's me. You know, my number, which is what this is all about, is I'm a five in a... Um, an Uber five. <laughs> Uber five. Check. Yep. Awesome. Uh, well, Danielle, can you remind us uh, what the dominant characteristics of an Enneagram five are? Yes. So Enneagram type five is also called the investigator, sometimes called the observer um, for both for good reasons. Uh, they value knowledge and wisdom um, and um, they're very perceptive. They're a lot of times they're in their minds. Um, I actually noticed right away when we got, we were on Zoom. And so you all can't see this, but uh, Dr. Andy is in his office, which is wall-to-wall books, which is a very fine thing <laughs> to work in. Um, so they are actually innovative because they like to figure things out beyond the like surface. So they'll go kind of deeper and come up with new ways of interpreting, doing things, improving on those things. Um, They're really focused on competency. That's one thing they value. So they want to be competent in everything they do. They can be very comfortable, although they're withdrawn, they can be very comfortable talking to others about something they feel they know a lot about. So like they're, they tend to uh, find an area of expertise and keep talking about it. Um, One of the other things I love about them, they're always calm in a crisis. Uh, So if you if you're not calm in a crisis, your type five friends are good people to have in your life. And they just make wise decisions. They naturally know how to apply wisdom to our everyday lives. Very cool. Very uh, poignant and elegant. Uh, yes. Um, so uh, as you know by now, if you've been listening, um, the beginning of this series started in a poll that I did um, on an online Facebook group where I got about 1,300 youth workers to vote and give their Enneagram information. And um, Andy, would you want to guess where Enneagram 5s fell out of the ranked nine with youth workers? I would think, and again, maybe this just reveals how arrogant of a five I am, but I would think pretty low. I would think like uh, 
eight or nine, to be quite honest. Yeah, you're right. Um, it is the lowest one. So out of 1,297 <laughs> youth workers who voted, 57, 57. So just over 4% of them identify as Enneagram yeah. fives. Um, so that so makes I've... me feel both special and overlooked, which is, <laughs> also makes me very angsty. All the talkative people who can live outside their heads are always the people who get recognized and known, and it just makes us fives bitter. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> um so um while it might reflect that i mean um i've mentioned it in other episodes but since we started doing this series i've thought about leaders in my life who were um either i was working with them or when i was a student they were a leader who i can look back now and say they were fives and one of our associate pastors who helps me a lot with editing. He does all the communication and emails and stuff for our church. He is a five. Um, and so, uh, Andy, what are some things in ministry pertaining to your job, pertaining to how you think about youth ministry that you feel like I do this well because of how God has wired me? Yeah. I mean, probably the arc of my career is, is because I'm a five, you know, like I, I started as a youth worker and then just kept on feeling this uh, beckoning call towards academia because I just, I loved being in my head, you know? So um, yeah. And most days I feel like this is what I was kind of wired to do was spend most of my awake hours uh, thinking about ideas and trying to construct, you know, uh, without the sounding too oddly conspiracy theory or something like, but construct maps of the world and, and maps of how reality is formed, like that kind of stuff. Like, you, I don't know if you remember the movie, like, um, uh, what was it, what was it called now? It, it just, it just blanked to me, but like in Goodwill hunting where he's like drawing diagrams on the window and doing math problems yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a beautiful mind. That was the other one. Where That's we, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, th- that stuff like just, that's the coolest thing ever that I could imagine. Um, like, I can't even, I have no idea what those diagrams mean, but if you look at some of my earlier books in my career, they're filled with these incomprehensible diagrams because uh, I kind of think in pictures and I just love these big ideas. And uh, I eventually, I've said that I've gone to diagram, um, diagram the Holic and, and stop putting diagrams in my <laughs> book. Cause I realized at some point I, looking at someone else's diagram in a book, like, they don't help. No, I have no idea what this person is trying to say, but yeah. it was kind of five, um, you know, for, for myself, kind of this, the, the big idea, the kind of mapping of the world is, feels very kind of appealing. So, and then the other thing that Danielle said that is really true is that I actually feel quite, quite a bit more comfortable standing up in front of a group of 500 people talking about ideas than to have someone drop by my house, you know, like, uh, this just dates me, but Seinfeld used to have a thing about the drop-in, like people just dropping in. Yeah. And I hate that. Like if someone, I don't want anyone to ever drop into my space. My space is absolutely sacred to me. You need to make an appointment. And then it even is like something I have to work myself up to. But if you have to throw me in front of a thousand people to talk about a big idea, I feel much more comfortable with that. So we have a joke in my family that that's really true, that I hate parties unless they're in my honor. And then I love parties. Uh, you know, it's just kind of a joke, but the other side of it is like walking into a group of people and they not knowing who I am and I'm not sure what role I'm supposed to take. 
will lead me to recede. But if I know like, okay, I'm the person presenting here or um, this party is for me. So people are going to say, then, then I can, I can live inside of that. So it's not purely narcissistic. It's actually kind of what it takes to get me out of my head. But yeah, the performative element, um, I feel really comfortable. So sometimes people will get to know me like, well, and I actually have some kind of relational dynamics where people will feel like, why I, I feel like I know you when you're talking in front of a class, but then I don't know you. And that's been a, like a tension with my extended family and particularly my in-laws and things like that, where I'm not very forthcoming with my person. It takes a while to earn the right to get like inside of my mental space or even my physical space. Um, but if you, you know, invite me to come to your church and talk to you about an idea, then you, you get me, you get, you get the, you kind of get who I am. Like I, I'm kind of unveiled to you as a person in, in those moments. So um, those are probably the positive. I can tell you a lot of negative ones too. Yeah, no, that's great, man. I, I like that. I like that flip of what sounds ironic and uh, opposites of being with somebody when it shouldn't be really any high pressure and then being in front of a crowd, which would freak out so many people I know, including those who are in ministry and you just being able to go. Um, yeah, I think it's good for us to just think about that. And hopefully fives who are listening are probably like, yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, Danielle, where would you expound on what um, Andy said? And for any fives who are listening, um, where do you think they would really shine in youth ministry? Yeah, so um, a couple of things I picked up is really that vision piece of um, five really love ideas. Like they live in their head, they like to figure things out, but they make great visionaries. And I think that, you know, the stereotypes out there don't really portray that. But because all the ideas are running around in their head, they make great um, people who come up with fresh ideas and um, have researched them through. So um, that is one of the pieces I think, you know, when we look at fives, um, you know, I loved um, Andy that you talked about, you know, loving to stand up in front of 500 people because most people would think all the memes out there about fives would be like, nope, <laughs> but that is really true. They, they can talk for hours about something they really um, understand and know and feel like they're an expert in. And so part of that is, you know, Fives may be at the front of the room, but not in the, you know, the small group setting perhaps, or that would be maybe challenging for them to kind of pull into the vulnerability of, of what will be required in a, a small group setting. Um, the other thing about them is they're very self-sufficient and independent. So just what you brought up is they don't like you dropping by or they're very private. They have a small social circle. A couple of the reasons for that one is that they start with less energy than the rest of us. So they run out of energy, people energy really quickly. Um, so one of the um, gals I learned from, she says they start with 20% battery. The rest of us start with a hundred. And so they need to actually keep withdrawing to rejuvenate and replenish as compared to the rest of us. And so that's something to keep in mind. But um, the other piece of that is um, what was I going to, where was I going to go with that? I don't remember, um, but they need that space. And so, but part of that is they're recharging their thinking. And so really coming to them and really listening to them, um, knowing that they need the independence. They're not real big on uh, group projects, <laughs> so they need that independence. So I think, you know, in ministry, um, what I like to say is that we don't always cater to like the downside or the flip side of our, our type, but then knowing who we, how we're wired. So to know that 
they're going to be better teachers um, with knowledge than they are going to be um, kind of the greeters at the door. I, would you agree? I, I don't want to over, over, uh, absolutely. That's what I, yeah. I thought would be, yep. um, for a five and then visionaries like planning, you know, like looking at, okay, what, where are we going to go for the next year? I think they should be included in that conversation for sure. Yeah. I think fives are great at, uh, well, yeah. Um, for instance, just speak to speak for myself, like to come up with the big ideas, mm-hmm. to do the political work of implementing them. Not really interested. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I once agree. it, once it moves from kind of mapping it, um, like I would think if you're in a leadership position, one way to really use a five is to basically say, hey, sit down and tell me five of your biggest ideas you've had lately and let them run them out and show you how like far they've thought about those things. But it's hard for a five to then to say, okay, well, help me implement these and let's go do this. It's rather, I'd rather just return to my quiet space, come up with five more ideas and let you go kind of implement it. So I think the hardest thing for other people too, is that when a five withdraws, it doesn't mean they don't like you. It mm-hmm. just means they need time alone. And, uh, you know, like the, the common kind of cultural thing is people will say like, Oh, I got to get out of my head. I got to go do this. And for a five, it's almost the opposite. Like I can be at a conference and even be doing a lot of that speaking in front of people and then talking to people afterwards. And I can feel it. I can feel so pulled out of my head that I feel disconnected to myself. And I feel like I need to get back in my head. Um, and so that's, I would guess that there are very few other folks on the, on the Enneagram members that would, that, that would resonate with, but that thing for fives, it's like, yes, there are times I need to get out of my head. Like I need to get out of this basement and connect with the world. And particularly I need to connect with my body. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I can spend long times reading and writing, but I have like in my own days and I live like a monk in some ways. And I think fives, that feels really good. Like just ordered, same thing every day. But built within my days are like I go, I write for four hours, I go for a run. And I read yeah. for three and a half hours or four hours, do email, and then take my da- dog on a long walk, which yeah. gets me back in my body. And yeah, that's the work most coaches would recommend for a five is making sure you're getting in your body as well as using your mind. So um, yeah, that's great. But for other people, that drives them crazy. Um, <laughs> it was re- my my wife is a two, which is really, oh. yes, exactly. Oh, That's what wow. everyone actually says. It's like, oh my gosh, we will be praying for you. Um, it's doable. But, Every type is doable. Every right. Combination. And we're, we're we're doing well. <laughs> uh, but there there like she had. It was really hard, particularly early in my career, when it when something would come up with our kids or. She just wanted to change my schedule. I'm like, no, like this is what I do during this time. Um, and that was really hard for her, but, uh, <laughs> but makes complete sense to me. So I do have this deep infatuation with monks who did the same thing every day <laughs> on a pattern. That's like uh, my dream. Uh, so if I ever took my students on some kind of monk experience, I will call you to help lead that and maybe just leave you there for a while too. So. Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. So, um, so th- at this point in the conversation, we usually turn to, um, things that are difficult and we've already kind of alluded to some of those already. Um, but Andy, for those who are listening, who are fives, you know, and thinking about yourself, um, where, when it comes to ministry and engaging with people, do you need help? Do you need extra focus? Because those things are difficult and don't come naturally for you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we've touched on this a little bit. Is that uh, just 
time away or saying I'm done and disappearing does not mean I don't like you or I'm not invested to the team or the project is important to me. Um, all of those things still matter. You just need, you need time away. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is really true for me, is as a five, what I have to watch out for is being really overly self-protective of my personal inner space and, and mm. keeping people out. Like, you know, this may be you know, too much sharing, but like one of my first experiences with my mom, mother-in-law that just has made our relationship hard is that she sat down uh, in front of me and was like, tell me everything about you. And I was just like, ah, like she crossed this boundary of my personal space. And I still don't think she has any idea how to understand who I am. Um, But that was like, that took forever to get over because everything in me, um, it is more than my Enneagram number. It's other, you know, psychological realities and lived experiences and things like that. But it just put up a boundary like, okay, if I let this person into my personal space, they are going to mess it up. So yeah, I mean, I think especially when we talk about young people is that, you know, people don't live with their numbers tattooed on their forehead necessarily. So you have to feel this out. But um, just because someone's on the fringes doesn't mean they're not invested and they don't have something to offer. And it's not always the best ministry practice to just kind of overwhelm them with, let me get to know you, tell me everything about you. Um, mm-hmm. I think particularly for five, it just takes a little time and just let me be there. And uh, But then ask me probing questions and ask me about my my ideas or what I think about something or ask me to reflect on something with you um, and and give me time. So that that's a big one. The other thing that especially around leadership that's really true for me that's a real problem and it, it particularly is a problem as a father is um, I get lit up about ideas, but say when my like happened yesterday, thirteen year old daughter walks through our house with her boots on. We live in Minnesota. So snow on her boots, she walks through our house and I get angry or I get frustrated. What you will get is a long diatribe of theory construction on why it's not good to walk through the house on your boots. And I can get into everything, like go back to the 16th century and where boots were created. And then you don't, you don't do that. And what this means, (laughs) and I will start to build a web of theory to make my point and to justify my own kind of emotional reaction. But the way I'll do it is to construct this edifice of theory that will take the phenomena, like walking through the house with your boots on, and I will twist it and turn it. And then I will look at it at this side. And then I will look at it on that side. And then I'll say, well, let's imagine if we went into a time machine and we went back to the, you know, the fourth century. And like I can, and this will happen in the midst of me just being angry that a 13 year old kid walked through the house with her boots on. So the other side of this is my family often feels like they have to stop me and be like, I get it. I don't need more theory. I don't need to reflect <laughs> on more why I shouldn't leave the dog outside when I leave the house. But there's something in me that just wants, it, it actually is, it, it, it just scratches something deep in me to build this whole theory that somewhat justifies my emotional response. So I have to watch out for that in the, in the context of ministry too, that um, I don't kind of bowl colleagues over with um, a whole constructed theory and thesis on why I feel what I feel. Now, the good good thing for me is that I live in Minnesota and I am you know, I am afraid of conflict as everyone in Minnesota is afraid of conflict. So that, me- that makes me just retreat to my hole more than it does to build that theory. But then I retreat to my hole and the temptation is to find one colleague and start essentially, you know, talking behind someone's back, which is just to reflect on why this person is driving you nuts. But you often kind of do that 
away in a space and um, build theories on why you really don't like someone. So a five can be a great internal kind of storyteller and can live out of those stories. Um, but sometimes those, you know, not Sorry, all, I'm having trouble hearing you. not all stories are, not all stories are helpful. Um, and that was my watch that was serious. <laughs> that she's having a hard time hearing me, which makes me angry. Now I'm going to tell her why she should listen, how important right. listening is and where listening comes from and how there's a difference between hearing and listening, but I'll stop. Yeah. Let me take out my podcast bingo card and scratch off the origin of boots. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, no, that, wow. Um, that really helps me to think about that. You know, I, I feel like fives on the external, you know, might get the characterization of not being emotionally mature, but it's the way that you need to think about that and process that. It's not necessarily your inability to express emotion. It's, it's just part of you and how you present it, right? You know, I, I feel like uh, that would be a, a, a difficult thing for fives to try and get across in some situations. And also for people who are trying to listen to them, maybe who are their leaders or other students trying to keep up with that. Um, yeah. Wow. That's really interesting to think about that explosion of theory or mapping that goes on. Um, Danielle, what, uh, where would you expound on that of what Andy said uh, for any fives who are listening that might be struggling in some areas of their ministry based on how God has wired them? Yeah, I think uh, what just came up, I love that. I also live in Minnesota, so I love the oh. analogy of the boots <laughs> and your theories uh, with your daughter. Um, so fives, theories are their jam. Um, so one of the things they're really good at is kind of detaching information from emotion. And what they struggle with is like bringing the emotion back. So how they will appear to a lot of people is very even keeled, um, not really reactive at all. Uh, and then people don't know, you know, in ministry, that's hard to measure, especially for us heart centered type. We're reading the room and we can't tell what's going on underneath. So I think that can get the fives into trouble a little bit in ministry. As far as that goes, like really knowing that, um, Part of that is kind of their basic fear of running out of people resources. So they kind of keep it close to their best. They don't tend to experience or process their feelings, emotions in real time. They tend to withdraw. And then, you know, so I think of the story about your mother-in-law, <laughs> like she was really tapping into a place she would never go. <laughs> would tell me everything about you. So, um, so that's part of it, you know, that even some, some fives even don't share their emotions, feelings with their spouses, right? They're so like in the process internally, for sure. Um, the other thing I think that could get fives in a, you know, a little bit of challenging waters in ministry is most fives like to figure everything out before they move forward. And so that keeps them in their head kind of cycling. Okay. Do I understand it yet? Do I understand maybe even the deeper theories and they're not making progress or moving forward? that can kind of stop up a team. So, um, so I think those are the two main things that came out of everything Andy said. And then the challenges that five might fives might experience, um, for sure. Very cool. Um, let's move on to the wings. Uh, and so Danielle, for anyone maybe who hasn't been listening, um, or doesn't remember, tell us what wings are in the Enneagram system. Yeah. So wings are the type on either side of your dominant number. So, 
for Andy, his wings could be a five wing four or a five wing six. They're really um, more like flavoring to your type. They're not necessarily, you don't become those other numbers, but you can pull from the traits of those other numbers, especially if you have a dominant wing. So a lot of people have a dominant wing that they go to more often or naturally. Um, as we grow, we can access both. And I always t- say we can choose the positive qualities of each wing and help it help our personality. So. Yeah. Uh, so Andy, do you feel like you have a dominant wing or not? And where do you see the effects of that uh, and how you interact with others? Yeah. Um, Danielle's going to have to remind me of them. I, um, uh, I believe I, I, what the way I function is which one is the more existential one, four or six? I think it's four is what four. you're thinking about. Yeah. But. Yeah. So when I'm mm-hmm. unhealthy, I'm, my wing is a four and when I'm healthy, um, I'm, my wing is a six. Hmm. That's usually, it's usually pretty, pretty much how I go. So when you, when you kind of take the cocktail of my fiveness and things are going bad, I will lean more towards a four. I will, it will be flavored with that, that fourness where when things are doing all right, um, and I'm, and I'm in a, in a good place, then the flavor will have a little bit of a taste of a six. Okay. Yeah. Danielle, uh, what would a five wing four and a five wing six kind of look like so people can recognize that? So the five wing four, both of those types are withdrawn types. They tend to isolate um, when they're struggling. They'll detach from others using their head, their intellectual (laughs) insights. Um, They can be a little more imaginative and sometimes more emotional if they're really pulling from that four um, they have this amazing ability to pull things apart and then conceptualize new ways of doing things or looking at things. So I think we caught some of that from Andy as we were talking. The five win six, um, both of these types are in their head and they're driven a little bit by um, finding security. So fives find security by detaching. Six is fives find security by really having a plan and having the steps of the plan all laid out. So they are forward think- thinkers in the sense of what could go wrong and what is the plan to address it. Um, so five wing sixes are intellectual, um, problem solving, observant. They analyze a lot. That pulls from that six. Sixes are natural problem solvers. Um, when struggling, they live in their minds and not with their emotions, um, even more so than an average five. Would. So, um, but um, they thrive on dissecting problems, analyzing them and finding a solution. So those are the two wings. Yeah, that's really cool. I haven't heard anyone explain it in that way yet, but that makes sense, especially Mm -hmm. uh, just having talked to our Enneagram 4 guest. um, I can see how 5 would slip into that pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, uh, as we wrap up, uh, Andy, is there anything uh, that you would want to say to any 5s in ministry who who are listening about words of wisdom or um, how to best be who God designed them to be while aiming to improve areas of ministry that are difficult. Anything you'd want to leave them with? Uh, you know, only to say sign up for the five fan club and uh, you know, <laughs> the support group that we have and, and things like that. No, I mean, I just think it's like being good to yourself in the sense that, uh, you know, there's something beautiful about being in your head. And I think that doesn't make you less relational. I think you can kind of get the message like you don't need people. You don't like relationships. Um, 
but almost all of my work has been thinking deeply about relationships. But one of the reasons I've reflected so much on it is because it doesn't come easy to me. So it, it's needing it. I mean, needing it at a deep theological level and a deep personal level. Um, but it's led me to think about it. So, um, but yeah, coming to grips with the fact that, uh, yeah, that it, it's, it's good to be alone and, and, and think these things out and, um, that you really do have something to contribute and um, that's, that's important. And then I would tell other people who are working with a five that uh, just because someone says they don't want to be with you, a five says they don't want to be with you. It doesn't mean they don't like you. They may really like you a lot. And I think especially for charismatic fives, you'll see them teaching say, um, or on stage in some way. And there's a, there's a, a temptation to say, Oh, I really want to get to know that person. And I, man, they, they've really, they've impacted me and I really want to know them. And then they get really deeply disappointed because they get near the five and at the very least a bunch of barriers come up like, yeah, okay. Or they're not nearly as charismatic one-on-one, um, as you first meet them. And, um, I think sometimes then fives can get the backlash of that. Like, well, this person really isn't very emotionally invested. Um, and that may not, that may not be true at all. They may deeply care about you and, um, and care about the mission of the, of the institution say, or of the, of the, the, the mission of the church. Uh, but the way they live that out is, uh, kind of in their monk, in their monk, uh, cells, like you're looking into my monk cell right now where no one is allowed, which is uh, <laughs> maybe something else to say in ministry is, you know, have a space that's just yours and uh, okay. don't make it an unhealthy little, uh, little hole, but make it a, a place that you can go and, and recharge. Yeah. Awesome. Insightful. Thank you so much. Uh, well, Danielle, um, thank you for hopping on for another interview. Looking forward to our future ones. Um, yeah. Andy, thank you again for coming back on the podcast and sharing some great stuff. I'm sure fives listening uh, have benefited from it. And if anyone knows any fives, um, they have some good insight for that. Uh, So thank you both. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Danielle, our co-host and Enneagram coach, and Andy, our youth worker guest. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. And remember, you can catch all of the episodes in this series, if you missed any, at our website, youthministrymaverick.com. You can also find a comprehensive list of our guests, their bios, lists of organizations in youth ministry to help you in your own ministry. There's also a store where you can buy some items and help fund the podcast to continue its work. We also really appreciate if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And if you do that, take a screenshot before you hit submit, send it to me, and I will mail you a personal thank you along with some merchandise that you can't get on the website. So please go and do that. I'm excited to continue this series. Um, Remember, every Tuesday and Friday, there's a new episode with a new guest and some practical information for you. That's all for now. So until next time, thanks again for listening. Adios.